3: is something that happens in life, it happens in sports, and I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively.
1: This is where sports talk gets real.
3: That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids.
1: And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs.
3: This is sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacob, and our show is now podcasted around the country, and I look forward to doing this show with you each and every week, been on the radio here in Kansas City for. 28 years working as a sports psychologist for 38 years you know every week we talk about topics on this show that deal with the mental side of sports one of the things i've talked about forever on this show is the topic of of athletes being people and you know you can be the greatest athlete in your sport you can be the last guy on the team you're a human being you have feelings you have emotions you have to deal with life you have your family kids parents spouses aunts, uncles, you've got to deal with life. And today, we're extremely fortunate to have one of the greatest New York Yankees players ever to join us. His name's Bernie Williams. Bernie, thanks for taking the time with you with us today.
4: Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me, You know, that.
3: you're welcome. And, you know, we could talk for hours about your baseball career and all the things you've done, your musical career, which maybe is, is just as great as what you did as, as a baseball player. But I know you have a medical issue that your father passed away from called idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. And I know it's something that's very close to you and something you want to get into. So tell us a little bit about that and and just where you're at with that and what you're trying to help educate people about.
4: Yeah, uh, I teamed up with Beringer Engelheim to uh, uh, encourage and uh, try to educate people about the disease that took my dad's life away at 73. Uh, It's called idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. And, uh, you know, to tell you some numbers, I mean, there's as many as 132,000 Americans living with IPF. About 50,000 Americans are diagnosed with IPF every year. And 40,000 people die from IPF, you know, about as many as as breast cancer patients die each year from IPF. Uh, And that's really difficult to... uh, determined because a lot of the symptoms, uh, people may or may not have, you know, may not even know that they have IPF because a lot of the symptoms are so uh, common, uh, commonly associated with other uh, ailments like, you know, asthma and COPD and bronchitis. I mean, things like shortness of breath, you know, this fatigue, you know, when you're doing any kind of activity, uh, even going up a flight of stairs or something like that. Uh, this dry and persistent cough that's to last for months and months. Uh, uh, Those are indications that you may have IPF and that we are encouraging people to go to their doctor uh, so they can refer you to a pulmonologist or a lung specialist that could determine whether or not you have IPF because you certainly don't have, don't need IPF and you don't want it in your life. Uh, It's a terminal disease. It's about five to eight year lifespan. Uh, Once you get diagnosed, uh, and uh, it is, you know, part of my, uh, a tribute to my dad's legacy and uh, how, more, how important he was in my life. You know, I'm paying tribute to his life by uh, uh, making people aware, as many as I can, aware of, uh, of the disease that took his life, and uh, hopefully it will help some people. Uh, and give them some resources to deal with uh, with this uh, devastating disease.
3: You know, we hear so many stories about athletes today and all the issues and problems they have. Of course, when you played, social media wasn't like it is today. But you don't have to do this. You could be spending time in your music career developing that. Why have you decided to spend so much time on this and try to help people out, Bernie?
4: Well, I think, you know, the, the uh, question is, or so the answer is twofold. I think, you know, for... Uh, selfish reasons I uh, saw this as an opportunity to connect with my father again after all these years uh, and uh, you know it's one opportunity that I had to uh, put closure in many ways to the grieving process that I had by uh, you know losing him in the manner that I, in which I lost him uh, the second part and I think you know even the more, the more important part is to bring awareness about a disease that is uh, rarely known uh, but it's becoming more and more common these days. Uh, and uh, I know that me uh, doing that is, uh, you know, I, I know that my dad is looking down uh, and uh, knowing that I'm doing the right thing, uh, trying to help people, uh, you know, be aware of uh, this devastating disease. And that was a disease that took his life away. So uh, uh, it's really important. It's uh, really personal and uh, it touches my heart uh, to know that I'm doing something. Uh, that had to do with uh, you know this uh, thing that is uh, so so bad and uh, so devastating in my family. Uh, so I'm uh, coming to terms with it, you know, from a psychological standpoint, and am uh, making sure that I, in that process, I'm, I'm still helping people, uh, you know, and doing the best that I can to uh, to pay back uh, to the community.
3: You were a great teammate for many players, I know, because I've worked personally with one of your teammates in the past, Tom Gordon, and and he always talked about. You know, you would spend a lot of time in your locker playing your guitar, focusing on the things you had to do to get ready. You were a great teammate. Obviously, this has translated over into your life, and it's a reflection, I'm assuming, from the way you were raised by your parents.
4: Yeah, that is true. Uh, My parents were very instrumental in my upbringing. Uh, I have a mom that was an educator for almost 50 years in the public education system in Puerto Rico, where I grew up. My dad... uh, Basically, uh, was a merchant marine and then he retired just so he could be near us and raise us the right way. He taught us a lot of life lessons uh, that I still use to this day. Uh, and uh, his uh, per, uh, perseverance, uh, his resilience, uh, uh, way of being, uh, you know, always uh, trying to do the right thing uh, in every situation. It was very hard for him to say no to people. He was very generous with his time and his resources, even though he didn't have that much, and he didn't grow up with a lot. Uh, But uh, all those things I was able to learn from him uh, and, uh, you know, put it in my life. You know, I I was very lucky to have a good set of parents that uh, raised me uh, to be the person that I am today.
3: I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every Sunday from 7 to 8 here on Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. Today I'm fortunate enough to be talking with New York Yankee great Bernie Williams We're talking about a disease that took his father, idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. Baseball season's getting going. Bernie, do you miss it? Do you miss being in that opening day line at Yankee Stadium?
4: No question. I mean, I think that's one of the things that I will uh, certainly miss for the rest of my life. Uh, uh, Coming to terms with it is a different story. And I think I've been able to do that better now that I know for a fact that I cannot play. Uh, near the level that is required <laughs> for a major league play uh, baseball player to play, uh, 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 you know, obviously I won't be able to do that. But the mental aspect of the game, you know, the camaraderie, the uh, uh, competitiveness, uh, everything that had to do with being a major league baseball player, oh, those are things that are they were great when I was able to experience them, and uh, they were, you know, I have fond memories of those times. And I will uh, ever, I will forever remember them in, in my life.
3: You have an incredible resume of statistics of things that you've done: four World Championship titles with the Yankees, five All-Star appearances, so many records you set. Psychologically, what do you think allowed you to do that? Obviously, physically you had the skills, but psychologically also, what allowed you to do that and become as successful as you were?
4: Well, I think you know a lot of the uh, uh, a lot of that had to do with knowing uh in my mind and in my heart that I have prepared myself i know that uh a lot of it has to do with your born natural god-given talent uh but that only takes you so far i think you know the the part of the uh, success that a lot of people uh may or may not know is the fact that you know with that talent come, uh, comes a great responsibility to foster it and uh, to encourage it and uh, and to make that you do everything that you can do uh... physically and mentally to, to get the best out of that uh... you know opportunity uh... and uh... you know like one of my managers said joe torres said many times we don't own our ability we just borrow it you we know, don't for a short period of time so we might as well make the best out of it uh... and uh... in uh... you know in that sense uh, it's really important to realize that you know and that's really hard to do because as young players we all think that we're indestructible and we're going to play for the next 100 years. But it's actually, in, in, in hindsight, it is a very short part of our lives. You're know, it's, it's, you talking about, you know, I was able to play for 16 years, which is considered uh, by many a, a long career. But the average career of a Major League Baseball player, you know, it's probably about five to eight years, I would think, uh, you know, with all these numbers. Uh, and uh, it's a very short, limited amount of time that you have an opportunity to do the best that you can with the ability that God gives you. Uh, so you have to make the best out of it. and uh, you know, it, it comes down to preparation and uh, you know, all the things that you have to do to get ready. And, and, and the next step about that is that you have to be able to trust that preparation. And uh, you tell yourself that you are ready to embark on that great challenge. Uh, on a daily basis, and uh, I think that was, to me, that was part of my success.
3: Bernie, I can't thank you enough for joining us this morning. This has been a fascinating few minutes here. I could spend hours talking with you because you, you know, I've been doing this sports psychology work for 38 years, and I've talked to God knows how many people, but you get it. You understand what it's about, and I think the fact that you are now dedicating so much of your work to helping educate people about IPF because of what happened to your father is a testament to the type of person you are and also the way you were raised. So thank you so much for joining us this morning. And, and Bernie Williams, if people want to get a hold of, of information about IPF, where, where do they go?
4: Yes, yeah, really important. Uh, we have a website. Uh, as I mentioned before, the campaign is called Breathless. We have a website called breathlessipf.com in uh, which people you know, would go in and uh, see, uh, get an opportunity to get educated even more about the disease and know uh, about the resources that we have now uh, to treat the disease. Uh, It's really important people go there and uh, uh, see if, you know, if they are experiencing some of these symptoms or know uh, of anybody that they know, you know, a loved one or a family member or a a friend that may be suffering from these symptoms uh, and really encourage them to go to the doctor and get checked
3: well bernie thank you so much again for joining me this morning i appreciate it and the best of luck with you with helping educate people about ipf and helping people to help hopefully save some people's lives i appreciate it
4: thank you so much uh, for having me i thank you for the opportunity to spread their word
3: i'm sports psychologist dr andrew jacobs this is the sports psychology hour
0: this is the sports psychology hour
1: Are you an athlete, competitor, or ordinary individual who wants to learn how to relax, build confidence, and think more positively? Then the 20 Minutes to Success series of digital downloads and audio CDs from sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs are perfect for you. 20 Minutes to Success will teach you techniques to help you succeed. Dr. Jacobs covers topics like deep breathing for better focus, confidence building, and positive visualization. The 20 Minutes to Success series includes programs for individual sports like swimming, running tennis and baseball you can also target overall athletic performance or relaxation for more information and to get 20 minutes to success on digital download or cd go to winnersunlimited.com and click products that's winnersunlimited.com and click products one more time to get 20 minutes to success go to winnersunlimited.com and click products The world of youth sports has grown tremendously in the last few years. And with that growth comes questions. What's the right age to let my child start playing? When should winning and losing become important? And how can the youth sports experience be fun? These questions and many more are addressed head on in sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs' book, Just Let Him Play, guiding parents, coaches, and athletes through youth sports. Written with Major League Baseball pitcher, Jeff Montgomery and Hall of Fame swimming coach, Peter Malone, Just Let Him Play tackles the issues that make youth sports increasingly difficult for parents, coaches, officials, and especially kids. Just Let Him Play explains the importance of winning and losing, success and failure, and why it's okay when not every athlete gets a trophy. For more information and to get your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click Products one more time. For your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products.
2: We first opened about 10 years ago. We were, we were small, just a few of us, but it was exciting. I always dreamt of having my own business. It was kinda of slow at first, but things started picking up. We had big plans. But in our wildest dreams, we never, never thought we'd have this much work. Yeah, with so many businesses caught off guard by the storm, Reed Waste Management has never been busier.
5: What will become of your business after a disaster? Nearly two-thirds of businesses aren't prepared for an emergency, and 40% of businesses that experience a disaster never recover. Make an emergency plan now, before it's too late. For a free online tool that helps you develop an emergency plan to keep your business up and running should disaster strike, visit ready.gov forward slash business. Brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, the American Red Cross, and the Ad Council.
6: Most of my family, they never graduated high school or even let alone go to college. So I'm trying to break that barrier. My daughter, Brooklyn, was also a motivation for me to go back to school. Every day after work, went straight to school, studied hard, and, and it paid off.
7: At age 26, Kareem finished his high school diploma.
6: I could not have done it alone. I feel like if I didn't have anyone to push me, I wouldn't even bother to do it. I got one milestone down the drain and now I gotta work on the next. I see the future is really bright for me. I feel like it doesn't matter the age as long as you go back and get it done. The high school diploma is just added to the confidence and now I feel unstoppable.
7: No one gets a diploma alone. You have more support than you realize. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council.
0: This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello,
3: everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Welcome back to our show, the Sports Psychology Hour here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. I want to thank Bernie Williams for that interview this morning. Really great guy and a wonderful story he's got about his father and trying to educate people about idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. And as someone who went to a pulmonologist last week with a bad cough, I can be very sensitive to, you know, somebody's ill. Fortunately, I'm okay, but uh, you never know when you get to be older. I'm 64 and uh, you want to make sure you take care of yourself. So his trying to educate people about that disease is very important. And, you know, this is the whole thing I wanted to get at today. The role that athletes and, and, and sports play in our lives. I mean, here here's an incredible athlete, played for the Yankees and has, has a stellar career. He'll probably end up in the Hall of Fame with the stats he has. And Yet, that's insignificant to him. It's more about his family, about his life, and helping people out. He doesn't have to do all this. You know, he doesn't have to go on a a campaign to help educate people, but he does because it took his father's life and he wants to help other people out. And so that's what I want to get into today is, is really based on that interview, you know, the role that sports and athletes do play in our lives. And I'd like to hear from you if you are someone who's played sports, if you're someone who has been involved in athletics. And most of us have in some in some way. Has it helped you out? What has it done for you? Has sports helped you look at life differently? Let's face it, from a fitness perspective obviously, athletic endeavors help tremendously. Being active physically, taking care of yourself is important, but also I think from a societal and and a social perspective, sports brings us together. It gets us to learn about competition, about winning and losing, success and failure, accomplishing goals, dealing with teammates. I've been in practice for 38 years here in Kansas City as a sports psychologist. I've worked with athletes at all levels of competition. I work with a lot of high school and college kids. And one of the, the... main themes that I deal with college athletes on quite frankly is dealing with their teammates trying to get along trying to relate trying to have a decent relationship so many of them have issues with each other they're not on the same page and that's where the role of a coach as a psychologist becomes so important I think being a good communicator, a good listener as a coach is important understanding team building. You know, we've got the NCAA basketball tournament going on, getting close to the Final Four, and the teams that will be making that, obviously, you'll hear so much about how they survived, how they dealt with close encounters, how they trusted each other. That word trust is going to be there. And I think sport really develops trust. I think sport develops, teaches us the ability to develop trust in each other. But I'd like to open up our phone lines. I'd like to hear from you. If you're a coach, what do you think coaching kids, coaching your team teaches them about relationships, about communication, about people, about getting along, about not getting along? How do you think being on a team can help someone do that? And what? Do you think your job as a coach is beyond the fundamentals? Where have you as a coach helped somebody who you've coached? And maybe it's given them some some awareness of life. Where do you think sport, playing sport can help with that? And if you're an athlete, what has sport done for you? What is playing sports? I don't care if you're in a team sport, an individual sport. What is being in athletics done for you to help you as a person, or maybe harm you. Maybe it's 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 made you full of angst and, and and fear and and hurt. Maybe there's there's a lot of negatives that's come from it. I know people who've played team sports who will never be on a team again because they can't stand getting along with their teammates. They can't stand selfish people. They can't stand people who are egocentric. And so they won't play in a team sport again. They'll just play an individual sport because they don't want to deal with people like that. So I'd like to open up our phone lines. Let's get some calls in here. You know this show is about conversation, and I'd like to hear from you. So if you are a coach, if you're an athlete, if you're a parent, how has sport helped you become a better person? Maybe where has it hurt you? What has it done for you, positively or negatively? And I'd like to hear from you, if you're a coach. I want to hear from you if you're an athlete. What role has sport played in your life, positively or negatively? And if you're a coach, what do you think you can do to help athletes deal with adversity better being a coach? I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour.
0: This is the Sports Psychology Hour.
1: Are you an athlete, competitor, or ordinary individual who wants to learn how to relax, build confidence, and think more positively? Then the 20 Minutes to Success series of digital downloads and audio CDs from sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs are perfect for you. 20 Minutes to Success will teach you techniques to help you succeed. Dr. Jacobs covers topics like deep breathing for better focus, confidence building, and positive visualization. The 20 Minutes to Success series includes programs for individual sports like swimming, running, tennis, and baseball. You can also target overall athletic performance or relaxation. For more information and to get 20 minutes to success on digital download or CD, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, to get 20 minutes to success, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products.
7: Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Um, hello, it's me. The designer jeans in your closet. The back of your closet. What am I doing here? Would you keep caviar in the back of your fridge with the ketchup and old milk? Yeah, I don't think so. So, what happened to us? I mean, have you seen my label? I used to summer in the Hamptons and now I'm stuck behind a pair of sweats. Sure, I never really fit you quite right, and one of my pockets is so small you can't even squeeze your hand into it, but it's all about the look, and I look good. I need to get back out on the scene so I can be seen. You know, going to fancy parties, getting expensive iced coffees, Sunday fun days, okay? So take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference.
9: Your donations to Goodwill create new jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff, create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council.
0: This is the Sports Psychology Hour.
3: Hello, everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week as we talk about the mental side of sports. And today's show, we started off with a fantastic interview with the New York Yankee great Bernie Williams talking about the death of his father from idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. And from that, I wanted to get into this whole discussion about the role sports plays in our lives and what it teaches us, what it doesn't teach us how it helps us. You know, as a sports psychologist in practice for 38 years, I've dealt with a lot of people. I've really worked with thousands of people at this point. And, you know, I, I love sports because I think there's so many things we can learn about what we can do and what we can't do in it. Our limitations, yet at the same time, what, are, what, what we may think our limitations are and that they're not. But I think it teaches us about relationships. It teaches us about communication. And one of the things that I really spend a lot of time with is working with coaches on their communication skills and understanding their athletes. And so from that, I'm opening up our phone lines. We've got a couple of people on line we're going to go to in a moment. I want to hear from you. If you are a coach, if you're an athlete, if you're a parent, what do you think the role sport plays in your life? What has it done for you positively or negatively? How has it helped you? How has it hurt you? We'll go first to Dennis, and then we'll go to J- JT. So Dennis, good morning. Thank you for calling. How are you?
10: Hey, great, uh, Dr. Jacobs. Um, I've got three pluses from coaching uh, and being an athlete, and I've got one negative.
3: The well, that's a, that's a positive great. then. You're, you're, you're two ahead.
10: Yeah. Uh, the first one is uh, I was fortunate to have coaches in high school and college who stressed being a scholar-athlete, and uh, they said, you know, if you don't understand the sport, if you don't study the sport, you're not really going to get much out of just having physical skills. So, and then that kind of floats into understanding others or your teammates. Or if it's an individual sport, uh, like when I wrestled, understanding your coach and and what it is he wants you to accomplish and understanding your opponent's strengths and weaknesses. Uh, The other issue I would say is uh, sports really teaches you about failure and success because nobody succeeds all the time. Um. At least, well, I guess Northwest Missouri State uh, won 30-0 and 0 in the NIT. I guess you could say that was a, uh, a perfect season. But I'm sure during the season there were some downs that players and the team as a whole experienced.
3: Teams have uh, gone undefeated before, but it's a very rare scenario when that does happen. So you're right.
10: Yeah, I was actually working with uh, the Park University women's uh, volleyball team when they went 33-0 a couple years ago uh, as a nutritionist uh, And that was really interesting, the the dynamics of that team. Uh, uh, Their coach was very, very skilled in communication and and getting the girls up emotionally and physically for uh, competition and practice. Practice was like the game.
3: Well, see, one of the things you're bringing up, and you haven't mentioned the negative yet, but one of the, the things I've heard from those three positive perspectives was the word understanding. And that, to me, then brings in brings out the word communication, I think, being a good listener. So being a good coach, to me, I've said it for years, being a good coach is being a good psychologist. You've got to be able to understand your athletes. And that's, Dennis, what it sounds like, those three positive aspects attribute, attributed to. Now, what about the negative one?
10: Well, um, you know, the, the downside of sports is uh, there's really nothing that compares with winning. And uh, when you experience that, you want to have it again. And, of course, we can't be on that high all the time. So when we come down, uh, the coaches help us realize, and people like you uh, that are into the psychological issues and uh, coaching and athletics, that uh, the joy that you experience in the victory is is a fleeting thing. Uh, But the joy comes from sustaining... Your uh, desire to do it again, and uh, so some people get fall into that. Uh, they go down and they just they're constantly searching for the next win, and it doesn't come. So they they don't transfer what they experienced in sports to life.
3: Yeah, I, I would agree with i agree with you 100, and I think great comments this morning. I really appreciate you calling in, and that sure. I think that makes a lot of sense. Hopefully, some people picked up on it. Listen, thank you for sharing your thoughts with us today. I appreciate it. Take care. All right, let's go next to JT. JT, how are you this morning?
11: Hey, I'm doing good, Doc. Um, hey, th- th- there's two things that I got out of sports that I, I think have helped me. One that was negative. Um, the, the positive ones are one and it's one that I think people don't talk about it, enough. Interactivity level is just making you a healthier human being by being having a reason to be out there and be healthy and be active. You know, um, the, uh, the other is learning how to do things in a team environment, learning how to uh, deal with the failings of others or the uh, or, or uh, be humble and deal with uh, uh, somebody else being better than you as part of your team. You know, not 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 always being the center of attention. I think that uh, a lot of people who are successful in life learn those lessons for sports. The, the thing that's negative, I think, is that when you, I think it's all of us tend toward the extreme once you get into sports for a period of time. And I know I'm dealing with uh, bad knees, you know, at, at the age of 50 now. The
3: uh, way so do you hit my crazy. age at 64.
11: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I mean, but those, those come with age anyway, I understand, but, There's a certain amount of it. I played rugby for a long time and, and I just beat my body up pretty good. And, uh, and so there's, there's these, uh, injuries that you, uh, continue to sustain through life. That's the only negative. And really it's not a huge negative because you've learned so much from sports. But, but I really think that people don't, don't emphasize enough how being an active person is so important to living a healthy and successful life.
3: Well, I think, I think. Well, first of all, I agree with you 100%. And as someone who's been physically active my whole life, I found that to be extremely helpful in a variety of perspectives. It, you know, if you are physically active, you're going to be better. Obviously, your health's going to be better. But psychologically, you're going to be better, too. I think you have a different perspective yeah. on things. And I think one of the things I want to go back to what you mentioned there, winning and losing, to me, okay, in sport. I mean, we're, we're all going to win. We're all going to lose, depending on how you look at it. But I've always talked about for years on this show, Winning is not about coming in first place, it's about accomplishing your goals. I mean, someone's going to come in first place in everything you do. But you can still be successful if you accomplish your goals. Now, everyone wants to come in first when you, you know, compete, but it's what did you learn, what did you take out of that that's going to help you get better the next time? And I I think, would you agree with that?
11: Yeah, I would, And, and that's where I come back to learning to operate as a team. Because when you operate as a team the success and the failure is shared
3: exactly exactly and that's where i think having a good good coach a good leader can help you grow with that you know yeah. i think having a good a good coach who is grounded and balanced in understanding those things really makes a big difference in terms of the results. If you have a coach that's only focused on winning, coming in first place, then I think your perspective gets jaded because then it's all about, you know, beating other people and it's not about what did you learn about yourself. And that to me, hey, look, the NCAA tournament's going on, baseball just started, the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs are going to start, you know, whoever comes in first place is going to be touted. But, you know, the other teams can be successful, too, in terms of a lot of things they've accomplished. Listen, sir, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us today. I appreciate it. Good luck to you. All right, that frees up our lines here, and I'd like to hear from you. I'm talking about the role sport plays in society. What do you learn from participating in sports, positively or negatively? If you're a coach, what do you teach your athletes? What do you think the things you are able to help your athletes learn about life from participating in sport? I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach. I want to hear from you if you're an athlete. You've played sports. What did it teach you? If you're a parent, what do you see teaching your kids? And I'd like to hear from if you're a coach, I want to hear from you if you're an athlete. Or maybe you're just a fan. What do you get out of it? To me, I think what sport does is it's a it, you know, we hear it's a microcosm of life, but what it basically does, I think it teaches us us about what we're capable of doing and what we're not. Our parameters, our limits, but maybe also how we can be the best we can be. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Give me a call
0: and let's talk. This is the Sports Psychology Hour.
1: The world of youth sports has grown tremendously in the last few years, and with that growth comes questions. What's the right age to let my child start playing? When should winning and losing become important? And how can the youth sports experience be fun? These questions and many more are addressed head-on in sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs' book, Just Let Him Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes Through Youth Sports. Written with Major League Baseball pitcher Jeff Montgomery and Hall of Fame swimming coach Peter Malone, Just Let Him Play tackles the issues that make youth sports increasingly difficult for parents, coaches, officials, and especially kids. Just Let Him Play explains the importance of winning and losing, success and failure, and why it's okay when not every athlete gets a trophy. For more information, and to get your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click Products. One more time, for your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products.
9: Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council.
0: This is the Sports Psychology Hour.
3: Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour, and I'm here every week. Our show is now on in a number of cities around the country and growing rapidly, and I'm excited to, to know that, too, because I've been... On the radio for 28 years in Kansas City, and one of my goals has been to get this show on more of a national level. There, there's really no one else that talks about this stuff like we do on this show, and I'm glad our show is growing. And our number here is i I'd like to hear from you. We're talking about the role sport plays in our lives. And if you're a coach, if you're a parent, I'd like to hear from you. If someone who played sports, if you're an athlete, I'd like to hear from you. You know, to me... I, th- I think I, I've played sports my whole life. I'll be active until I can't. Uh, as we were talking with JT there about knees, I, I ran for 40 years. I played tennis for 50 years. My knees are pretty well shot now, so I can't run anymore. So now I walk, I, do, I swim, I do a lot of other things. I'll be active the rest of my life. It's taught me so many things, I think, about just relationships, about people, positive and negative. I mean, to be honest with you, as a sports psychologist, I've dealt with some pretty bad people in sports some people who've been liars, deceitful, self-centered, egocentric, and I've dealt with some, in, some of the most incredible people I've ever known. So I think it teaches us a lot of things. But I'd like to hear from you, if you're a coach, if you're a parent, you're an athlete, and see who's on line one. Let's go to line one. Let's see. Craig, let's see what you have to say. Good morning. Thanks for calling in. Good morning. How are you? Great. Get your thoughts.
12: Uh, the one thing, it, well, it taught me two things. The first thing was how to battle adversity, you know, to know that that path that I dropped, or that touchdown that got scored me wasn't the worst thing that I would ever go through. But when it happened, I, I know how to deal with it. And as an adult, I I found I found how to deal with things that that were worse than that. So, on a, you know, when I was a kid, you know, about adversity helped me. And the second thing is uh, don't waste an opportunity. You know, I, my when I coach my kids and they'll miss a tackle and say, well, I'll get them next time. Well, sometimes you don't get them next time. Sometimes you only get one opportunity, like in life. That promotion might only come around one time, or you know something to that effect. So I just that's the second thing that it taught me is seize an opportunity. Don't don't think it'll come around again, or don't say, "Well, we went to the state championship this time. Maybe we'll we'll go. We lost this year, but we'll go next year. You might not go next year." So you always gotta just well,
3: you can't you, know. t- you can't take anything for granted, Craig. Yeah, especially in sports. But at the same time. I think, you know, it, the thing to me is this. And when I work with athletes, this is the thing I always ask them. What, I, I ask athletes to keep journals. And I have found one of the most, the best things I've helped people with is having them keep journals. Writing down about their day. How did it go? What was good? What was bad? What's their goal for tomorrow? What did I learn about myself? And by doing that, you start to develop patterns. You see patterns of behavior in what you do. And that will teach you a lot about, you know, positive and negative things about what you're doing. Right. And that can really help a lot along the way. So that that's something I encourage people to do. Listen, sir, thank you for calling in. I appreciate it, and good luck to you. Thank you. All right. My producer, Chris, who's been d- doing the show with me for the last week, has done a great job. He's, he wanted to add in here. What do you think, Chris?
13: Um, I think another important thing is, yeah, as you alluded to, I think, earlier about your relationship with your coach. I think that's important because I had coaches through high school, um You know that was an important thing to me, just for my own personality and how I, you know, got how they got the best out of me. Um, I, I didn't care if like coaches yelled at me; like I could take that. That wasn't, you know, a problem for me. Um, But if I didn't have a, you know, a great personal relationship outside of, of, you know, outside of the lines, whether it be football, basketball, or whatever, it, I, I didn't play as well. I didn't play as well because when you are constantly riding someone and you're not, if you're that same person outside of the sport and you're not going to actually after the game or something, you know, actually come up to you or someone's going to come up to you or your coach and be, you know, not comforting but just sympathizing with you or, you know, being empathetic or something like that, I think that also is kind of a problem. If if you are someone that is going to be, you know, the type of intense coach that you are, and you are that same person, or you, you're you kind of, you, you don't feel, or I don't, I, if I don't feel like you care about me outside of the sport, it's only about you, and you're still going to ride me and be like that when we're on the field, I'm not going. you're not going to get the most
3: out of me. Well, you know, in the NCAA tournament, in the opening round, Tom Izzo was heavily criticized, the Michigan State coach, for getting all over one of his players. There was a player, a freshman, who didn't do his job in a play, and Izzo was pretty vocal <laughs> at him, and then in the huddle as well, he was going after him. He got criticized heavily for that, uh, but his players came to his defense and said, "Look, that's how Coach Izzo is. That's how he coaches. We know that." Um, quite frankly, if if it, you know when he recruits people, I'm sure he lets them know. I mean, it, he's been coaching a long time. People know the type of person he is, but that's because he cares intently. Now, there's a difference between being like that. And then being that way and not showing empathy afterwards or being a good communicator. I mean, it is all get on people, but afterwards, I've heard this from people because I've, I've talked to some people been in been in the Michigan State program. He really cares about these kids. So when they go there, they know that's the way he coaches, and so if they can't handle it, they're not going to go there or they'll leave. Now, that type of coaching isn't for everybody. Let's face it, the intensity, the yelling, the screaming... Okay, I'm not a fan of that, but you know what? Some people do that, but some coaches, they're they're very emotional, but they also, after practice, will put their arm around a kid and say, look, I love you, but I'm going to push you to get the best out of you that you can have. So there's a difference between doing that in a constructive way where they're trying to help you and the the athlete knows it versus the coach that does that because it's all about his ego. And so I think it's really, really important, I think, when we look at sport, and this is where the whole, this whole issue comes in, the role it plays. Okay, for little kids playing sports, coaches are screaming and yell it's inappropriate. I mean, coaches who get angry for seven-year-olds for missing a soccer goal or striking out, and we've talked about it for, for years on this show, people who do that shouldn't be coaching, in my opinion. Okay, when you get to the high school and college level, okay, I understand the intensity level increases, the winning becomes important, the results become important, all that type of stuff. But there needs to be the balance. There needs to be the other side of it. If you're a coach who's very intense and gets upset at your athletes, they screw up. But they understand you care about them and you're trying to push them. That's one thing. But, you know, I have a saying, and it's in our book, Just Let Them Play, that I co-wrote with Jeff Montgomery and Pete Malone. A good coach is a good psychologist. A bad coach needs a sports psychologist. And good coaches check their egos at the door. So I think in terms, you know, Chris, when you played sports, you probably had some coaches whose egos maybe got in the way a little bit and maybe had some that didn't. Absolutely.
13: Um, I definitely have that sentiment. When I had a coach that I knew was only in it for themselves and not really in it for the athletes or the people, you know, the young people in the room, you know, and trying to, you know, mold men. And when it's all about you and what your accomplishments are going to be and not for what you're actually doing this for and what you're supposed to be in high school sports is trying to, you know, mold young men. Um, that, I, that I have a huge problem with that. Uh, and that doesn't resonate with me if you're only in it for yourself as a coach, especially at the high school level.
3: Well, I think we've seen a change over the past 10 years, especially in educating coaches about, I think, the role that they play. And I know, and I'll bring up my tennis coach that I grew up playing with, John Bragan. He listens to the show. I ran into John at actually at the we have the same chiropractor, Doctor Evan Mladenov, We go to. I ran into him there the other day, and John Bragan taught me so much about tennis, but he taught me more about dealing with with situations, about success and failure. And he coached hundreds and hundreds of kids in, in the Kansas City area. In fact, his his three daughters played. His two of his daughters. Went on to play in college, with full-ride scholarships, won at the University of Kansas, and won at my alma mater, Vanderbilt. And, I mean, it, it, it's about that relationship. And, and, and to this day, you know, I'll, I, I still love the man. He is a wonderful man. He and his wife, Joyce, ran a tennis club here in Kansas City, built it up from scratch, and taught hundreds and hundreds of kids how to play tennis. But I think, more importantly, taught hundreds and hundreds of kids about just being a person. And I think that's the role coaches have – and if you had a positive coach in your life and you had a positive uh, effect from playing sports, it impacts you that way. But if you had a, a coach that left a negative impact on you, and I work with, that, with kids with that all the time, that can carry on for years. So I think that's where, you know, the role sport plays is multidimensional. And as a coach, you have a significant impact on kids in a variety of ways. And that's where I think it's important for you as a coach to understand yourself understand your role, understand your goals, and the kids you coach. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. We're here every week. Our show's on in a lot of cities around the country now from our sports uh, headquarters here, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. If you want to reach me, there are a lot of ways you can get a hold of me. Follow me on Twitter at at drjsportpsych, at drjsportpsych. You can uh, send me an email at my website, winnersunlimited.com, which is in the process of being revamped. should be up and running here pretty in the next week winnersunlimited.com. You can send me an email at drj at winnersunlimited.com. You can always call me at my office, 816-561-5556. I give speeches and talks on these topics all the time. Look forward to hearing from you. love to hear about topics you'd like me to talk about on this show. I really enjoy doing this show, and I hope you enjoy it too. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Have a great week. You've been
1: listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com. Are you an athlete, competitor, or ordinary individual who wants to learn how to relax, build confidence, and think more positively? Then the 20 Minutes to Success series of digital downloads and audio CDs from sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs are perfect for you. 20 Minutes to Success will teach you techniques to help you succeed. Dr. Jacobs covers topics like deep breathing for better focus, confidence building, and positive visualization. The 20 Minutes to Success series includes programs for individual sports like swimming, running, tennis, and baseball. You can also target overall athletic performance or relaxation. For more information and to get 20 minutes to success on digital download or CD, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, to get 20 minutes to success, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products.
6: Most of my family, they never graduated high school or even let alone go to college, so I'm trying to break that barrier. My daughter, Brooklyn, was also a motivation for me to go back to school. Every day after work, went straight to school, studied hard, and and it paid off.
7: At age 26, Kareem finished his high school diploma.
6: I could not have done it alone. I feel like if I didn't have anyone to push me, I wouldn't even bother to do it. I got one milestone down the drain, and now I got to work on the next. I see the future is really bright for me. I feel like it doesn't matter the age, as long as you go back and get it done. The high school diploma is just added to the confidence, and now I feel unstoppable.
7: No one gets a diploma alone. You have more support than you realize. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council.
2: We first opened about 10 years ago. We were we were small, just a few of us, but it was exciting. I always dreamt of having my own business. It was kind of slow at first, but things started picking up. We had big plans, but in our wildest dreams, we never, never thought we'd have this much work. Yeah, with so many businesses caught off guard by the storm, Reed Waste Management has never been busier.